welcome to the very first edition of Perchcast, a semi-regular audio production presented by the Seahawk Perch. I'm Brant Wilkerson-New. He is Michael Barnes, better known as The Beard in a previous iteration of a UNCW sports podcast that uh, really paved the way. He's the pioneer. So how's it going, Mike? Doing good, Brant. And hey, don't, don't sell yourself short there. I think when you were covering, what were you covering, App at the time? You were kind of the first uh, person I knew to get into podcasting. You were you were the pioneer here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've been on a lot of bad podcasts, so um, I've got great experience in creating things that people don't want to listen to. But we'll we'll see what happens with this one. Hopefully, it'll be somewhat entertaining for a few minutes here and there. Um, it's it's certainly been fun to get this thing off the ground. Um, got a few few UNCW students coming on board here and there to help out, which is really the goal of all this hopefully more come in shortly and uh, this first baseball weekend was actually pretty huge in terms of our traffic set some new traffic numbers we've been covering basketball we've been covering baseball and as that moves along um, hopefully we can get around to some other sports too but it's been really fun so far and I've been really appreciative of the folks in the athletic department giving us access and to talk to people and uh, uh, trusting the fact that we're not going to be um, idiots on here any more than um, we usually are so indeed you uh you spent all weekend at brooksfield uh behind the camera behind the computer mostly it's true yes that's correct what was your uh, did you have a good view out there what, what was the situation like at brooksfield it, it had to be uh, i know there are a few people in the stands but it had to be a strange feeling for an opening weekend yeah for sure you know i think uh, certainly the coaching staff and the players that were able to play, most of the players were able to play with a few exceptions. Um, you know, we're happy to be out there. I know they've put in a lot of work, you know, not just in the fall ball, not just in the, you know, in January, February leading up to it, but of course for the basically almost a year prior, I guess 11 months prior without competitive baseball. And so I think once the first pitch was thrown, for those people on the field, you know, I think it seemed pretty normal. You know, the, the emotions were there. Uh, you know, Roop got out of that first inning pretty pretty easily, and you could tell he was amped up to be out there. Uh, you know, uh, Tabor Mongero, a newcomer for the Seahawks, made some stellar plays in the field, and, you know, he certainly brought the energy on the field, even uh, at the plate as well. So I think on the field, you know, once you kind of forget about what's going on around you, like it's just baseball. I don't know if I can speak for the players and coaching staff. Maybe that's a good question to ask them. Um, but certainly off the field, it was definitely unique. Um, like you said, really no fans to speak of, just uh, the parents and family members. It's a pass list that you, you know, every player gets two, uh, two members on the pass list. I think the visiting players get, you know, a pass list as well. There were a few uh, VCU parents or, or fans or family members in the crowd. Not a lot, but a few. Um, you can't go in the stadium until half an hour before game time. So a lot of parents or fans would go in there early sometimes and watch batting practice or watch some of the guys warm up. You know, that can't happen now, just basically to minimize the uh, interaction. There's zip ties on the seats that you can't sit in. So Oh, wow. Uh, the seats are kind of sectioned off into groups of two. So that was difficult for some people to find 
you know, it's difficult for some people to get comfortable. They're used to sitting in a certain seat or sitting next to a person or sitting with a certain amount of seats in between you, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, just kind of a different atmosphere. And then when the game's over, you know, everyone's got to basically vacate the stadium ASAP. You know, there's no more sitting around mingling, uh, you know, talking to friends or family members. You're pretty much out of the stadium. So I, I will give credit to the university for taking as many precautions as they can to try and keep this thing going because, you know, who knows if there's an outbreak in the stadium, whether it's on the field or in the stands. I mean, this thing could be shut down, you know, in a moment's notice. But um, aside from all that stuff, definitely great to be back out there and see the Seahawks take the field. And I mean, dicey there for a little bit on Saturday, but couldn't have come away with a better result with a sweep against, you know, a ten favorite. Yeah, that, that's. Um, I, I don't know if. Um it's really getting enough play. Like, obviously we thought UNCW was going to be really good this year. CAA favorite. I think every, every, you know, all the major publications, baseball, America, D1 baseball, like UNCW a lot this year, but um, go out and sweep an A10 favorite, a, a league favorite and, you know, a pretty good conference. VCU is a good program. It's won a lot of baseball games. Um, what was your big takeaway from the weekend? I guess there's quite a few things we could probably talk about when we get there, but um you know, I, I wrote about the bullpen. I wrote about Brooks Baldwin playing really well. And like you said, Tabor Mongero came out and uh, did some really cool things as far as his speed and his defense gives you some elements. What, what did you really take away from this? Uh, you know, if I got to narrow it down to one thing, I guess I'll, I'll maybe say the pitching. Uh, you know, I mean, from the starters to the bullpen, you, you, you referenced the bullpen. I mean, really just some, some real good numbers, you know, from top to bottom. And I think uh, Adam Smith kind of touched on it. I don't know if it was a question you asked him or someone else did, but it's, it's not so much like a starter versus a bullpen mentality. It's pretty much like just next man up. So whether the starter lasts one inning or, or eight innings, you know, they're trusted upon to do what they need to do and then hand the ball to the next guy and they're going to do what they need to do and, and so on and so forth until that game is over and the victory is assured. And that's basically what happened. You know, the first game, it came down to that last at bat, uh, and that's that's what it took to one uh, to win. And you know the UNCW pitching had to hold the fort there, make sure that VCU didn't get any more runs, so that they could win the game in the ninth. And then um, first game on Saturday, you know, kind of a different story. UNCW jumped out to that lead with uh, Brooks Baldwin, and uh, you know pitching staff was stellar throughout the whole nine innings. There, a little bit more of a back and forth effort in the third game, but again. Um, everyone did what they had to do to, to get the job done. Yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome to see them kind of win um, three different, three very different games where you got one game where you're fighting an uphill battle the whole way, even though you, you pitch pretty well. Then you got one where you get out in front and you stay out in front. And then you got one that, that's a back and forth, um, you know, pretty kind of what you expect in the third game of a, of a series, especially on a Sunday doubleheader when it's chilly early in the season and, um, ultimately, you know, you get enough firepower and then you get a three, a three inning, um, save out of, out of your best reliever, which is a really cool thing to see. Um, you know, that third pitcher, uh, Ethan Chenault, he's kind of comes in as a pretty touted guy, really hard thrower. What, what, what did you take from his performance on Sunday? Do you think he's going to be the Sunday guy or is there going to be, um, I know some folks talk about Calvert maybe stepping into that role eventually. 
Yeah, it's tough to say. Uh, you know, again, I, you know, I know some guys weren't available this weekend for various reasons. So, you know, who knows what we're going to see this upcoming weekend and, and what's going to change around and for what reasons. Uh, but Chenault, like you said, you know, pretty highly touted freshman coming in. Uh, I will say uh, I was behind the camera for that game, so I got a pretty good view of it. Uh, you know, he lasted a little more than two innings. I would say the location was kind of iffy. He, he had, what did he have, um, three walks in those two and a third innings. Um, so, you know, he didn't quite have the same start that Landon Roop and Luke Zell had, but um, I think it's too early to tell. Yeah, it has to be expected with a, a, a guy making his first uh, first collegiate start. But he's got he's got a lively arm, and and that's really what you look for in that situation. They can they can eventually get the location right on that. So it's pretty cool to see um, you know a kid coming in and throwing that hard in, in his first start. Sure, there's a lot of nerves going into that. We'll probably <laughs> definitely we'll definitely ask about that at some point. It's got to be such an odd situation to be you know, you envision going into college baseball or whatever, and you're, it's going to be your first start. And then it's, it's got to be even a little more strange when you look up in the stands and it's almost empty and the, you kind of kind of create your own energy on a cold day. So um, I'm sure that I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing a little more about just how you manage the emotions and how you get the, the energy going in that situation. And I also wonder, you know, I mean, it's a good point. You know, originally the series was going to be a Friday uh, doubleheader Saturday, Sunday series, four game series. Then that got shifted to a three game series going into Monday. So I guess he was probably going to go on Monday. Then that's back to a doubleheader on Sunday. So uh, I know that's got to play a factor as well, just trying to stay in some sort of routine. But with it changing every day, that's got to be tough too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would assume that that's going to be kind of um, a lot of what we're going to be seeing this year, especially when, when yeah, that's probably the new normal. <laughs> we've seen it in basketball with uh, UNCW getting a game canceled about an hour before tip off at Drexel, and then getting a game canceled a couple hours before tip off at Elon. So, um, but you know, this weekend we're going into we going into great job, Brent. Um, going into a series with uh, Western Carolina, who. Um, absolutely just smacked the crap out of Towson uh, is what happened. Like Towson used to be a pretty decent program, right? Uh, you know, I'll say I, you asked the question, what happened? I think the answer to that question is they were going to drop their baseball program. And I think they had a little bit of a rally point from that. But since then, I, you know, I think it's kind of like the, the nail in the coffin, like the kiss of death. Sure. The program's still going on, but, you know, when you know, like your university doesn't really have that faith to have you there, you know, it's tough to rebound. You look at, you know, even at UNCW, like the swimming and diving program, you know, even softball, just once those announcements came and, and they, you know, they got reversed, but um, never really got back to the level they were before it. You know, yeah, I guess you, you suffer a little bit when when folks make the decision to transfer and all that kind of thing. But um, yeah, Western Carolina came out and. Uh, 47 to 10, I think it was in a four game sweep over the Tigers over the weekend. So um, the Catamounts are going to bring a big offense. They're predicted about fifth in the SoCon, I think by coaches, six by the media. They've got some, some big time bats on that team. So should be a pretty fun uh, weekend out at Brooksfield this weekend. What would you like to see out of UNCW kind of as we move forward into this weekend? What did you, what do you think we might've been lacking in that first weekend? 
I mean, it's tough to criticize a, a yeah. 3-0 start. Um, if anything, you know, maybe you look at that first game. And, and you know, Coach Hood talked about it afterwards. I mean, the players talked about it afterwards. They kind of knew their approach wasn't really where it needed to be in that first game. So, you know, really the adjustments they made going into the second and third games was, was great. And so as long as they can maintain that mentality and see – a little bit of length out of the starting pitchers. Maybe you'd like to see Chenault go a little bit longer in that third game if he is the third game starter. Uh, tough to really criticize what the bullpen did. They really held the fort there. I think you tweeted about that, in fact. And offensively, you know, this year you're just not going to see the long ball all that much. I don't think you're going to see a big power team. You're going to see more manufacturing runs. Uh, so, you know, more singles and doubles. But Quite frankly, the offense was was pretty good too. Uh, maybe let's not talk about the strikeouts so much, especially day one. Um, yeah, but that did improve uh, in the, to day two. Game Fifteen two, strikeouts on uh, on Saturday, and then a total of eighteen strikeouts combined in the two games on Sunday. So the the quality at that meter was definitely going in the right direction on Sunday. Yeah, improvements there, but and you know, and I. I, I kind of hate it, but that's the direction like, the, the pro game is going. You know, it's like the three true outcomes. You got your home run, walk, or, and strike it out. Um, you know, that's, the home run's not really a, an option here for UNCW. There's some guys that have some power, but you know, you're going to have to rely on those, uh, that quality hitting, you know, hitting the ball, playing the pitch, uh, hit the pitch that they give you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like, like you were saying, there were some guys that were not available in that opening weekend or didn't play. Not uh, Coach Hood said that, you know, he said some guys were hurt. So not sure who was hurt, who just didn't play. But good bet that Noah Bridges was probably dealing with an injury because he sat out. You know, he started 133 games. Uh, good bet that he'd be in the lineup. Um, Seahawks were also without Matt Suggs, Noah Lyles. Uh, Zach Bridges didn't play and and no appearance from Gage Herring. So, you know, that's a pretty, pretty good bunch of guys right there that can help your team. Which of those uh, players are you most excited to see going forward? Well, you know, uh, you know, I'm excited to see everyone on the team, Brant. Um, but, you know, one that intrigues me uh, would be Noah Bridges, because like you said, I think you probably have him penciled in as the starting center fielder for the Seahawks. And because he was not playing last weekend, it was instead Brooks Baldwin, who historically has been an infielder for the Seahawks. Uh, Taper Mongero seems to have that shortstop position uh, pretty well in hand after his performance last weekend. Uh, however, Brooks Baldwin had a great weekend at the plate. And, you know, quite frankly, he looked pretty good in center field as well. So he's definitely going to make that decision a hard one on Coach Hood as far as what to do if and when Noah Bridges is healthy. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good problem to have, uh, especially when you can get uh, a middle infielder uh, like, uh, you know, if, if Brooks Baldwin's ultimately going to go to second base or something like that, you got a, a second baseman that's hitting that well. It's pretty pretty good thing for your ball club. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you as far as it goes with uh, Noah Bridges. I think he's obviously the uh, – I'm not sure if he's the most highly touted prospect, but I think he's probably the most intriguing prospect at this point. Uh, on this team for as far as pro, as far as his tools go. And I know uh, scouts kind of look at all the different things he can do with his speed and his defense. And um, the thing that he talked about in the preseason was just making a little bit more contact, getting himself on base and then just working from there, which is really what we saw work for UNCW this week. Just get on base and 
go station to station and and play with speed and get runs out of it. So, um, yeah, so far, I, I don't think there's really anything that that you can truly criticize or, or look to say, hey, man, we got to we got to do this a whole lot better other than the strikeouts, which seem to go the right direction on Sunday. So um, all in all, pretty uh, where's your I mean, have you in terms of optimism, where does this weekend stand for an opening weekend in, in recent memory for you? Yeah, it's a good question. Look, one more thing I just want to touch on real quick before we move on to that. Um, I, I think Noah Bridges probably ends up in center field when he's, when he's out there and healthy. I think Brooks probably has to shift maybe to the left or right. The other question I would have would be if and when both uh, or all four catches are healthy. So Zach Bridges and Matt Suggs, in addition um, to Lafrere and Hip, or excuse me, in addition to um, Patera and Yip, uh, you know, who's, who's catching and how much, you know? So, and, and then what happens with that DA spot? Yeah, and Yip had a, uh, a pretty good game behind the plate there, especially when he gunned down that runner at third to get uh, UNCW out of the jam right right before I think he was uh, pinch hit for it too. So it was, a, it was a good way to go out of the game there. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's something that we're going to see this year, and that really highlights what there really is to like about this UNCW team and what kind of might separate it moving forward from the other teams is the depth, uh, especially the pitching depth. But um, yes, so optimism, where where do you stand on, how high are you on this team after the opening weekend uh, as far as compared to other teams in the past, recent memory? Yeah, you gotta be pretty excited about it. Um, you know, quite frankly, I was just about to write them off in the first game, you know, thinking, well, okay, you hate to lose the opener, but if you can come back and win the series, you know, that's not so bad at home against uh, possible A-10 champion, but man, you know, to win all three and sweep them out of there, even that more impressive. Um, some of the polls I think came out, I think Baseball America had their top 25 polls. Seahawks are never really that high up in that Baseball America poll. Uh, I think the D1 poll comes out tomorrow to delay the day for because uh, they were still playing some ball games down in Texas here on Monday. So it'll be interesting to see if they creep up there into the top 25. They were not in any of the preseason top 25 polls, I don't think. Um, but you know, I, th- I think that's a good thing. I think it's good to play kind of with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, thinking that the world's against you and no one has respect for you and that you can kind of, you know, show up and surprise some guys. Uh, but at some point in time, you know, this is a program that's been knocking on that door for decades now, you know, at some point in time, you got to kind of bust through that, through that door and you got to basically be a, a perennially ranked team. You know, you got to get ranked and stay ranked. And that's just something the Seahawks really haven't been able to do um, really at all, ever. It really feels like, you know, things are setting up this year for, uh, well, just for, for that very thing to happen is with the, the big homestand to start the year. Um, schedule's pretty favorable early if you can get into the top 25. And then, um, you know, the schedule, I, I like the schedule because, you know, you, you've got some pretty winnable games, but also you get to see Charleston six times. You get to see Elon six times, which I think is going to be really valuable. And then the midweeks that you get with Coastal and NC State. And um, I, I think that sets up well to, to be ranked for a good while. But ultimately, you know, being ranked isn't the prize uh, that you want. And what we did see, it obviously it's the first weekend and um, 
if, if you lose the first weekend, you you can just say it's early February. I think we've done that before. If you're like, oh yeah, it's the first week of the season, who cares? But if you sweep somebody the opening weekend, you get to say yes, that that is a very important sweep to have. Um, so it's uh, it's all about feeding your own narrative. But um, right now, the our, our narrative is pretty good that um, it looked exactly like we were we thought it was going to look, and I think that's the biggest thing. And um, ultimately, if the bullpen can stay consistent and and keep doing what it's doing then uh there's no reason to believe this team won't challenge to win a regional this year i mean that's the expectation every year from inside and outside the program and you know a lot of times they get there to that regional and to that championship game in the regional and uh, you know that's a long time from now if, if if it happens who knows this year uh you know not because of baseball reasons but because of you know health reasons and whatnot um, but yeah, I mean, to start the journey with, with three game sweep and kind of really build off the momentum from, you know, 330 days ago, you know, it almost feels like there wasn't a pandemic over the course of the last year. Yeah. You get a walk-off win over ECU, then you get a walk-off win over VCU. And, um, those are just like nothing, all, all that other stuff between never really happened, thankfully. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, by we'll see. We're recording this on Monday night. Um, by the time we post this, I don't know. We might know more about um, what's happening as far as maybe getting to go to some of these games uh, soon. As um, I think the governor is considering uh, allowing some more folks into the stadium, which would be pretty awesome. Because man, just uh, getting ready to watch that game, sun shining on Saturday finally, and thinking about baseball and all that stuff got, got you got me kind of wistful to to get out there and tailgate and, and enjoy a dog and uh just you know maybe that's part of the uh hey let's let's talk about june let's talk about a regional let's let's think about warm weather and being outside and this pandemic being over and all that good stuff well if nothing else uh mark down march 26 27 28 the seahawks will be at charleston and as we all know, there's no COVID in South Carolina. So oh, yeah, yeah. no, no COVID in South Carolina. So uh, is that going to be like the first the first official Seahawk perch uh, road trip of the year? <laughs> uh, well, hopefully not, because they play William & Mary in uh, Williamsburg before that. But I believe uh, Virginia is a little bit more stricter on their uh, protocols. Yeah, there will uh, there will be very little deli time available, it, it seems. Um, very unfortunate. Big, big fan of the delis. Those are, are those our two favorite CAA road trips right there? Williamsburg, Charleston? Probably. I mean, definitely not Elon. <laughs> well, you know, go to the, the Red Lobster. All, all due respect to the, the Elon Red Lobster. And Captain D's. And Captain D's. Uh, but yeah, Williamsburg and Charleston, solid trips. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll have a little pregame get together or something, uh, socially distanced and masked and uh in our hazmat suits and all that good stuff in charleston um but before that you are going to hit the road down to uh spring training to see a few of the uh pro hawks that's the plan that's the plan um this year more than i can ever remember before there's more pro hawks out in uh spring training camps in the big league camps specifically uh just to run down the list here seth frankoff's out there with the diamondbacks of course, Ryan Jeffers with the Twins. Uh, we've got Greg Jones got the invite to the Rays. Evan Phillips will be fighting for a bullpen spot with the Orioles. 
Um, Josh Robertson with the Miami Marlins, former Seahawk, uh, got drafted, immediately had Tommy John surgery. He has pitched in the minors a little bit, but he got a big league invite. And then Casey Golden is going to be going to the AAA camp. So he's technically not in the big league camp, but he'll be out there. And that's a great sign for him who's just had a stellar path, slow crawl through the minor league since he's been drafted. Um, but great to see all those guys, you know, playing baseball right now. Yeah, we've uh, I believe we've seen Casey Golden hit some baseballs extremely hard in Greensboro before. So very cool to see him uh, progressing up the ranks there. Um, we're headed down to Fort Myers, you say? Fort Myers, is that? Yeah, West Coast, Florida. So uh, Greg Jones, Ryan Jeffers, Evan Phillips should be in that area. And I hope to see, uh, I hope to see them all play. But, you know, with the nature of spring training where, you know, it's only so many guys playing every day. Who knows if that's going to happen, but I'm pretty excited about it. Sweet. That's a, that, that is going to be an awesome trip. Looking forward to, to hearing more about that. Um, we'll see. We will not be making the CAA basketball trip this year, unfortunately, because uh, no fans are going to be allowed there. Um, you know, it's basketball has been basketball has been a ride, man. Goodness gracious. It's, it's been really tough to like get a handle on exactly what, what you kind of want to think about how you want to think about this team. Um, obviously I'm, I'm super impressed with what Takeo Siddle has been able to do. I believe in, believe in the system, believe in what he's doing, but ultimately I think the numbers game just caught up and there's too many injuries, just too many things going against UNCW. Um, hopefully we're going to be back in action on Thursday night against Charleston. Um, unlike the rest of the conference, which is um, who knows at this point. Yeah, I, I, have, I haven't heard anything to the contrary that there will be basketball at Charleston on Thursday night. Uh, so let's be optimistic that that two-game set with Charleston happens this week. Um, like you said, there's three teams currently in the COVID protocols in the conference, so their weekend games got you know canceled. But yeah, no more postponements because there's nowhere to postpone it to, so they just canceled. And that's what, Towson, Hofstra, and Northeastern, I think? Yeah, I believe that is the case. Um, Elon and William & Mary just played. Elon um, dominated them because I think William & Mary is coming off COVID itself. Um, I think we, we've seen time and again the team coming off a COVID stoppage um, just really has nothing coming out of the gate there. I, I imagine it's pretty tough to, to come back to playing basketball at full speed right after that happens. But um, it's a weird such a weird year um who knows who's going to even be at the caa tournament uh like if if those teams are in the covid protocol there's um it it the math doesn't work out for them to be able to play in the tournament really so um if uncw goes to the tournament i think like i think there's some question as to whether teams with certain numbers of games played um, I don't see how that's going to be enforced given that the conference has only played um, friend of the perch. Dan Spears tweeted that ultimately it looks like the CAA is going to end up playing about 56% of its games, which is just a crazy thing to imagine. UNCW spent probably an entire month on the sidelines, not playing, not practicing. Um, but ultimately when we get there, I think that UNCW could win a tournament or could lose in the first round. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy year. 
Yeah, well, I mean, with three teams in the protocol this upcoming weekend, the conference tournament starts the following Saturday in that opening round. Although, like you said, that could be adjusted. Maybe it doesn't start till Sunday or Monday or something like that. But uh, with three teams in the protocol currently, you got to assume, you know, there's not going to be 10 teams in, in Harrisonburg for that tournament. So, yeah. Well, uh, I, I think you let every team in that's healthy and seed them the best way you can. I guess you do percentage in the conference and play the games. Yeah. And, and the, the games that we have seen UNCW play, um, they have been right there at the end of every single game. Um, unfortunately lost most of them, but have played well enough to have leads on all of the better teams in the conference. Unfortunately, didn't get to play James Madison or Drexel. Um, but I can't imagine things would be any different against those teams. So, I mean, have you, have you had any major takeaways from the basketball that we have gotten to see? I mean, it's really tough to figure because I feel like even when this season is over, we're going to have very little idea of what this team could have been based on the injuries and who was playing when and Shaquem Phillips was supposed to come back and then the team gets stopped right when he's about to come back again. And I feel like that was really going to unlock what they were going to be able to do. So it's ultimately, it's going to end up feeling like, Hey, this is a team that we never really got to see at its best. Well, you know, I finally bit the bullet and paid the 30 bucks to get a flow sports subscription for one month. And uh, then that happened. So (laughs) that's 30 bucks down the drain. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's um, different circumstances, but kind of the same result, you know, UNCW just short bench, you know, only so many guys available. It's kind of like the same old the past few years, again, for very different reasons. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you got to think if you just had a few more guys on that bench that could be contributors, uh, you know, those, those close games would be victories. Yeah. I mean, uh, nothing but excitement moving forward for me. Um, And still, you know, still some level of excitement of who knows what could happen in these next few weeks if Shaquem Phillips does come come back ready to play. And uh, I don't know, maybe Amaje Dodd takes some of this time that we've had away and is able to to get himself in the rotation or or just one of those guys, uh, Brian Tolfrey, maybe is able to get himself into the rotation and do something um, positive. This team could beat anybody in, in the league and it's going to be a weird tournament. It's going to be a weird couple of weeks. And um, I'm just excited to see him back on the floor on Thursday, especially, um, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> Great take I mean, Great analysis, far. right? <laughs> we've made it this far. Um, you know, when did the basketball season start? November? It'll be yeah, November. it started uh, the week of, I think it was the day before Thanksgiving. Wow. Some, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, now there were many, many weeks where the teams were not playing, but sure enough, here we are at the end of February. You got to have the tournament, crown a champion, and at, you know, at least put the bow on the season that way. Give them the chance to yeah. play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've seen that uh, you know some teams have just kind of punted uh, in, in the past week or so. Like they've just said, hey, we're done. Um, hopefully that isn't the case because you know, the kids that have put in the work and stuck around for this long and dealt with everything they've dealt with have a, they deserve a chance to go win a championship one way or another. And um, I I think it's, it really is possible for this team. Um, But yeah, it's going to be fun to watch from afar. I think it's pretty neat that they're um, 
they're going to play it on campus at JMU. It, it would be, I think it would be a neat thing if fans were able to be in the stands. What's, what's your feeling kind of long-term on, on a model like that rather than playing at a Royal Farms arena or Charleston or Coliseum or whatever? You know, I, I think it's a more exciting environment when the, you know, it's like a packed house. Yeah. But that's kind of been the trouble for the conference. I, like, I think there'd be more fans that want to go that can fit in, you know, the James Madison Arena or Slash Coliseum or TD Ameritrade, you know, Bank in Charleston, whatever their stadium is called. But then there's like no middle ground. The next step up is like the 15,000, you know, fan arena in Baltimore or Charleston. I didn't get a chance to go up to the, the DC one last year. I hear that one was a little bit smaller, I guess. Like half the arena isn't even bleachers. Yeah, it looked uh, it looked pretty neat on TV or flow or whatever I was watching it on, but it was a pretty small deal. I know like when the Royal Farms Arena, it was fine because we were good and we took a big following there. And I think traditionally right now in terms of when uh, at our best, when our team is really good, we take a good following more so than any other team in the league probably right now. Um, I know Charleston had a lot of folks in, in the arena down there, uh, which makes sense. Um, and that was a fun game when we played them there. But it's just really hard when it, it, the, the championship game is now, what, on a Tuesday night? Yeah. Tuesday night and you're playing in Charleston. What if you get a Northeastern and Hofstra matchup and a Tuesday night in Charleston? What is that going to be like? It, it, it's just going to be – it's going to be awful, so – you know, I, I really wish it were in a more central location or at least an on-campus location because at the very least, some college kids will show up and, and act a fool on TV, right? <laughs> or even uh, college graduates. Yeah, college graduates. Yeah, the, the, the Royal Farms Arena, I can't really speak to because, I mean, I feel like that was a pretty good environment, but that might have been more related to the pregame activities that I was involved in. Well, I, I don't recall off the top of my head, but even that, the final in Charleston still only had like maybe 8,000 in attendance. Yeah, it wasn't as full as you thought it would be probably for the fact that the hometown team was playing in it. Right. Um, we had a great crowd. The other team was only three miles, three hours up the road. Yeah, we, we had a great um, we had a great crowd that night. It was a long drive back to Durham that night, Jesus Christ. But um, I guess, you know, the conference has tickets every school – so once, you know, once the school gets eliminated in the first round or the second round, then that opens up that many, you know, the many empty seats, basically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, credit to the, the folks, like, I know that Northeastern, the, the kids that travel from Northeastern, they show up and they cheer hard. But, I mean, how many kids are coming from Boston? It's just, it's a, it's a tough uh, fit. But um, it'll be fun to watch. And hopefully moving forward, the league maybe the league learned something about where they can put this tournament. I think Harrisonburg really isn't a bad location for it. It's pretty central. It's um, I've not been up to Harrisonburg for a tournament, but I know you have spent some, some time in Harrisonburg for the baseball tournament and seems to be an all right place to hang out for a few days. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. What do you think, uh, you know, since we're asking kind of about bigger conference things, you know, what do you think about this temporary, north-south, you know, conference alignment? I think it's interesting. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense for um, a conference like the CAA and a school like ours where we 
have the financial challenges that we have, I don't think it makes a whole lot of, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense for a school like UNCW to be playing uh, Olympic sports uh, in Boston and New York. Um, I like the fact that, you know, um, it's fun to play Charleston. It's fun to play Elon. Those are, I think, cool rivalries that, that we have. And I wish we had more regional rivalries. And I think it, um, you know, it, it build, especially in, in baseball where you're all of your good teams are concentrated in the South. I think it, it's a good opportunity to kind of grow the profile of your league. And um, <clears throat> maybe in some ways it helps your RPI because you're not worried about having to take the scheduling hit when you play some of those Northern teams, like a Towson that are, are just going to bring, bring your RPI numbers down, even when you win and blow them out in, in baseball. Um, I don't know. What, what's your feeling on it? I don't know. I, you know, travel is always a tough one to deal with. I, I feel like in baseball though, you travel for like the weekend, you know, and you play a three game set. Uh, I don't mind traveling to some of those places for baseball. I'm not sure if you can do it differently for basketball. You know, do you only play them one time every year instead of twice or something like that to save on those travel games? Although now with the travel partners, you are kind of traveling for two games as well. So, you know, for some of the bigger sports, I don't, I don't mind the travel, um, you know, to your point for volleyball or something like that, you know, or, or tennis, you know, is it worth the travel from Charleston to Boston? I don't know. Um, I know it's definitely going to be interesting RPI-wise in baseball this year. You know, Northeastern normally plays a pretty tough schedule, and they usually bring in a pretty big, uh, a pretty good RPI into conference play. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that this year with the, the limitations. Yeah, it's, I, I watched some of their uh, games against Wake. I watched a little bit of their opener, and then I saw they won on Sunday. It's a good team. It's fun. Um, you know, I think it's we've got a fun little rivalry kind of budding with them. It seems like a respectful yeah. rivalry, I remember you know, after we beat them a few years ago in the CAA tournament, like one of the first things coach Scaff was saying after the game was like, you know, I, I hope they're in the NCAA tournament. They deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. So um, yeah, no, it's, they, they seem like a, there's a good program and uh, they, they were in every game against wake and ended up winning one of them. And that's a, against a ranked team. So um, I don't know. I, it might be more fun that we don't play them during the regular season and, hopefully get to run into them in that, that big meeting in the, or in the CAA tournament, finally. Yeah. I mean, I, I prefer the local rivalries, but you know, here's the conference. It is what it is. So. Yeah. Um, we can't change it at this point. Maybe that's, a, that's a whole nother episode for another day. If right. We get into the whole SOCON thing. I remember like when I was in school and people were talking about how uh, people were kind of upset with the CAA for one reason or another, you know, as, as you are periodically about the CAA doing what it does and uh, getting a TV deal with Flow Sports for some reason. Um, but, you know, the SOCON thing and what the SOCON could be, but now Elon and Charleston are not in the SOCON and they're in the CAA. So what does that look like? And ultimately it's pretty clear the CAA wants to be a football league and what are we doing in, in the CA? It's just, it seems like a kind of untenable position at this point. And COVID has made that really clear and bringing some harsh realities to college sports right now. And like, what exactly are we spending money on? Yeah. I mean, essentially the spring sports, I'm trying to think of the specifics. Soccer is the same way. I think volleyball is the same way. Baseball, same way. 
you, know, you have a South division, North division, they don't play each other at all during the regular season. So, I mean, basically you just split the conference into two different conferences. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, why, why are we flying to Boston to play, play all these sports when we could be playing a UNC Greensboro or a central or an A&T or whatever they have, you know, good program. A&T has got a great baseball program. Central's had a pretty good baseball program. That's unfortunately looking like it's going to get eliminated, which is really disappointing for me. Cause that doesn't mean that means uh, no more going to games right down the street at the old bulls park. Yeah. Need to get that back on the schedule. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, I think we've probably droned on for long enough with the uh, first episode. Not bad. It's all right. It's a start, right? Yeah. I mean, we almost really downward spiraled there into like the destruction of the CAA. <laughs> we, we went to the abyss. So we waited to go to go to the abyss at the very end there. Um, now, hopefully uh, it's a good start. Um, we're hopefully going to turn this into something pretty neat and occasionally get some guests if uh, the folks in the UNCW athletic department uh, aren't too afraid of us making fools of ourselves or uh, people that represent the university. Uh, we'll do our best to avoid that from happening. <laughs> it's clear they've allowed me to make a fool of myself uh, year in and year out. So why stop now? Well, yeah. Why, why stop now? They, they, uh, they, they put the coach on the podcast with you and uh, Riley several times. So, yeah, maybe we'll even get the OG Riley himself uh, here of Beaten Beard fame uh, back on the podcast. But, um, yeah, we did some cool stuff with the Beaten the Beard. You know, that was you guys. But I hopped on occasionally, and we talked with Brett Blizzard and Jerry Wainwright. And those were super cool conversations, and that's something that I hope that we can continue with what we're trying to do here. So um, looking forward to whatever uh, this becomes listen in, uh, give us reviews, give us the, the thumbs up, the stars, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to doing this again next week. And tune in on Friday and Saturday on Flow Sports uh, for the baseball game Sunday back on the Seahawk Digital Network. So that's the schedule for this weekend. Did they pay you for that? Uh, I get paid the same either way. So feel free to continue hating on Flow Sports as much as you want. I gotta say, Flow Sports has gotten a little bit better. The uh, the production has gotten better, um, but yeah, it's it's not great to have to pay to watch uh, the same production that used to be free. It's it is the same production on our end. I can tell you that much. Indeed. All right. Cool. We'll see you guys out there.